I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your my bookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators for more. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SDC and at Gators Breakdown as well out there. Coming at you with a game day show not long after Florida goes down, gets pounded by Kentucky 33-14. to 14. Certainly didn't see myself saying that earlier this week, did I, after I picked Florida to win this game. But hey, Kentucky's better. I mean, I'll start there. And before we go much further in what we're going to do this episode and all that stuff first, I mean, Kentucky was better than Florida. That's all that's all it was. I'll give them their credit there. Uh, they were ready to play. Florida was outmanned, outcoached, out-talented. Yes, out-talented. Um, we, can, we can say that uh, right now, or I'll say it. You may not agree with it, but uh, that's where we're at right now. Uh, and, of course, just not uh, being able to kind of come off the momentum here uh, from from the Tennessee game, uh, of course, I've mentioned too many times of uh, you know not necessarily being able to build. Sorry, trying to fix my chair there. Ah, there we go. Uh, build momentum, and you get the big win over Tennessee, and then of course a couple weeks later, not being able to handle it versus Kentucky. So we'll get into it just a little bit. I am going to do it a little different this show since I am coming to you on a game day. Uh, of course, the Gators, Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. Twitter, of course, social media, but going crazy. I am going to host a Gators Breakdown Plus chat that will be included in this episode. After I go through some things about the game, some of the key storylines, I'll flip it over to the, the Discord. It'll be live streamed here on this episode as well. Uh, and I'll see you guys in the chat. I'll try and jump into YouTube chat as well at some point uh, there, but uh, there's a lot to say. I wanted to do this after the big win versus Tennessee too, but it's a lot harder when I'm in Gainesville and it's a night game. Got to drive back to Jacksonville. Uh, and so it's a little harder. They're a little easier on the road game since I am at home. Uh, was, and look, I would have done this if Florida had won the game. Uh, I was kind of was planning on it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot that needs to be said. And it's not all pretty, of course, 
after the 33-14 defeat at the hands of the Kentucky Wildcats. So I know uh, there's a lot of questions out there, a lot of opinions out there, and it's not pretty, but uh, we'll get into it all anyway. Everybody hit that like button. Or subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet right here on YouTube. But those likes go a long way. Comment, all that good stuff. If you're listening to the replay, watching the replay, leave the comments as well. Um, I try to go back to them a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's busy with the website, all that kind of stuff, too. If you do want to read it, GatorsBreakdown.com as well. Uh, Billy Napier's post-game comments. I'll get into them right here on the episode as well. But Gators Breakdown Plus... You know, the link is in the description. You can join the Discord. You can join the conversation that we got going on there. You'll be able to take part in chats as well that I'm going to do in this episode. But all that good stuff um, to join and get even more interaction right here with Gators Breakdown. So all right, I'll go to the, one of my main points. Um, it was one of my main points all in the offseason. And I just kind of teased it a little bit, but at uh, the momentum. Um, and, and maybe last week was a sign. I think we kind of shoved it off a little bit in maybe looking at Florida getting ready for Kentucky, and there was a conservative game plan. And well, maybe maybe even dating back to the second half of the Tennessee game, uh, where there's just no momentum. You, you couldn't handle the end game momentum, but you built a so, built such a big lead in that game. You know, in the first half, that the second half wasn't much of a worry anyway. And the defense was playing good. The defense played well last week, and you know, got a slap in the face today. Uh, but you know, part of the momentum that's the issue. Uh, and maybe last week was a sign there. I mean, we should have should not have overlooked. Uh, last week as much as we did. I'm guilty of it uh, as well, but uh, I know there was some worry. Uh, of course, my biggest worry was still not being able to push Charlotte up front and get your rushing yards. Uh, well, now Florida goes on the road. Uh, that was a home game last week and another road loss. I mean, it part of handling momentum for Florida and where it fell apart last year as well. You had the big win over South Carolina only to follow it up with road losses at Vanderbilt and FSU. Uh, so only one road victory so far under Billy Napier. That's last year at Texas A&M. Another road loss here to Kentucky, and it's just uh, been a bad sign. And part of the handling momentum will be to win on the road at some point, be better on the road at some point already this season, 0-2. And, and if you look at Utah right now, I watched them play on Friday night, and granted it was Florida's first game, but you know th- that was a winnable game as bad as Utah has looked. Uh, but you know, maybe play those games at home, and it might be – might be a different story, but uh, no, no. And look, you got to go win on the road eventually. That is the next page. You got to win over the rival versus Tennessee, but surely could not build that into momentum and going to go get a big road victory at Kentucky this week. And look, it was basically just started by Kentucky just being better, better in the trenches is honestly where it starts and ends for, for this game. Better up front on the offensive line, and we'll get into the stats here, but just ran over Florida. Record day for Kentucky on the ground. Other side, Florida couldn't get their ground game going. You guys know that was my biggest worry. I thought they would figure it out today. I thought Kingsley being back would be more of a um, of an impact. It was not. Uh, and Kentucky, and they have been able to put some good rush defensive performances against, albeit, weaker competition. Uh, but guess what? Uh, the... Um, that those, those games didn't mean anything o- overall. It, it did tell us they had a good rush defense, and that continued versus Florida. They had their inconsistent ways on offense, and in some ways did the day too, at least in, in the passing game. Uh, they could not get their passing game going too much, but just ran all over Florida. And look, that's, that's basically what the, that would have basically been the formula for Florida to win this game too. Is if you run, 
I think we kind of knew whoever was going to run the ball better in this game was probably going to win, but it wasn't even close. I mean, Florida was nowhere to be found on the ground with 329 yards for Kentucky and 69 for Florida. Uh, and keep going back to it, Florida is not going to win if they can't run the ball. I do not care what Graham Mertz's stats are. And good for him. He played well in, in spurts, had a kind of a bad start, but not the reason Florida lost. Wasn't going to be the reason Florida was going to win the game either. That's what I said coming into the game. That's what I'm saying for the rest of the season. Given Billy Napier's offense and what we've seen so far, if Florida doesn't win the, run the ball, they're not winning. I don't care what the quarterback does. And that's exactly what we got here. So, unfortunately, that's, that's, the, way, that's, the, that's the way it played out here. But get a couple more storylines as well, and then I'll switch it over to the uh, Discord, um, and, and we'll have that chat. But before we do, NFL, college ball, in a brand-new cash-out system gives you the options to bet and win all season long at my bookie. The first two legs of your parlay hit, well, cash out early. Place another bet or just let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join us at MyBookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boost, same game parlays, and huge prize pool contest. Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATERS on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash, and that is instantly Credited to your MyBookie account. That is promo code GATERS to claim your own cash bonus. Now you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. All right, going back to Graham Mertz right quick and quarterback. Look, as I said, not the problem, not the solution in an offense that needs to run the ball to succeed. Teams aren't scared of him. They're not scared of his arm to, to, to go beat him. But, look, that's not his fault. We knew what we get, were we getting in, in get in when, when Florida signed him through the transfer portal. Um, is he probably played a little better than that? Yeah, I, I'd say so. But we knew what we were getting, and it's not going to be a quarterback that you could put the game on his shoulders and he can go win. He needs to be complimentary football on the offensive side of the football, get the run game going like we saw versus Tennessee, and that'll help the overall offense. If the run game's not there – quarterback is not going to be there in a winning fashion either um so the talent around him needs to be better for him to be better he's not going to win the game or you're going to get these results um so you know i asked myself when he came through the transfer portal could he make up for a run game that was probably going to take a step back i didn't see this much of a step back but given losing osiris torrance offensive line questions the run game was going to take a step back it's taking a huge step back. He's not enough to make up for that. Can he make up for a defense? Well, up to this point, the defense had been playing well enough to keep the Florida offense in some games. Not today. The defense looked to be turned around until today, and then the run game wasn't there either. So final results, final score shows what happens. This team is not winning any shootouts. If Kentucky was putting up 33 points and the Florida run game wasn't there, this is exactly the game you were going to get. And that's exactly what we got. So, oh man, that one, that, that, that one, that one hurt. You know, early interception there, not really Mertz's fault. I mean, yeah, the hurt throw was kind of high, but you know, Bordingham's going to come down with that. It gets popped, uh, early interception, missed some early throws. Uh, the first quarter was not good uh, in, in the passing game. He'd settled down. I'd like to see him. He's probably going to have to take some more chances to, Completion percentage, yeah, all all good and well at the time, but eventually that's going to catch up. Nothing really down the field. When he did go down the field, especially in the first quarter, just missing the throw, missed Douglas early, missed Jackson early. Like I said, didn't settle down, but the risk are probably going to have to be there uh, for, for for Graham Mertz. And you know, maybe at the 
detriment of the completion percentage, but maybe some more passes down the field. There were some guys open, uh, but it's all in conjunction. I mean, with this passing game, it's not consistent. And it starts up front with the offensive line. And no blocking, really. I mean, Florida can't be consistent in taking the deep shots, maybe even get the deep shots consistently because the blocking's not consistent uh, uh, up front. But, you know, in the first quarter, when there was time to throw the deep passes, they were there, just did not connect. Uh, but all in all, a very poor performance by the offensive line, pass blocking, especially the right side, uh, and then run blocking as well, not making a whole lot of room for Montreux Johnson, Trevor Etienne, uh, and... You look at it, three touchdowns in the last 10 quarters uh, for this Gator offense and in the run game since the first half of the Tennessee game, which we can go back now and call a mirage. I, I'm, I'm fine with saying that. If you want to say that's an overreaction, maybe so. But I think we've seen enough dating back to Utah, second half versus Tennessee, Charlotte. I ain't counting McNeese. I'm sorry. And then come to today against Kentucky. That first half versus Tennessee was a mirage. That is not the offense we can expect, and I'm not sure how many more times we can expect that this year. Now, Kentucky, really good defense. I thought more success Florida would have uh, along the offensive line with getting the guys back, but was not to be. It was not to be. Looking at some stats right here, 33-14 Kentucky, total rushing yards. 329 to 69. That led the way for 398 total yards for Kentucky, 313 for Florida. Average yards per rush, 9.1 yards a rush for Kentucky. Three rushing touchdowns, of course. Nine of 20 in the passing game. Uh, not much there. Florida, 25 of 30. We'll get into that too um, in just a second. But 22 first downs for Kentucky compared to 15 for Florida. 11 rushing first downs. For Kentucky, of course, it was just their run game just kind of completely taking over. Yards per play, 7.1 for Kentucky. You know, this, but the, the run game carried their offense. Um, 36 rushes for Kentucky to compared to 20 passes. Florida was about even. 29 rushes, 30 passes. And what did I say? What did I say, uh, you know, coming into the game? If Graham Mertz was going to be around 30 completions or 30 attempts, it wasn't going to look good for Florida. There he is right at 30. 25 for 30, but as I said, it doesn't matter. It does not equate. Does not equate. So another game with a quarterback around 30 attempts and another loss for a Billy Napier offense. Graham Mertz, 25 of 30, 244, two touchdowns, one pick. Um, and here's the, here's the problem. You start looking right here at the receiving stats. When Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne are your leading receivers, that's an issue. Now, Etienne tied with Andy Jean, but Montreal Johnson with six catches, Trevor Etienne with four catches. So 10 of the 25 completions are to your running backs. That's what I mean by being a little more aggressive in the passing game. And maybe at the benefit or at the detriment of the completion percentage. The ball needs to go down the field. Johnson, 6 of 22s, not a whole lot there. ETN, 438, and the miraculous. Rodis Mertz is going down, get it rid of, uh, of ETN, to ETN, and, and he, he takes a, um, a run after the catch there. Andy Jean, 4 for 33. Good to see the true freshman get involved. Ricky Pearsall with a touchdown, 3 for 62 uh, for Ricky Pearsall. Um, Jackson, 3 for 41. Boardingham, 2 of 7. Hayden Hanson with a touchdown from the tight end position today. His first touchdown of his career, so congrats to him. Uh, but in, in, a, in a losing effort, 
And then the rushing yardage, Montreal Johnson, 10 for 42, 4.2 yards of carry. Trevor Etienne, 11 for 29, 2.6 yards of carry. I mean, so I, I know there's the talk of Etienne need more carry, and, and he does. You know, hopefully that would have gotten in more of a groove, but I mean, would it have really mattered today? No, it would not have. I mean, this is a talent issue. This is a play calling issue. This is a preparation issue. I mean, Florida just wasn't ready. It didn't, it didn't matter who Florida – Trevor Etienne could have had the ball 30 times a day, and it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. The offensive line was not going to block for any running back back there. Uh, Montreal Johnson, 10 for 4.2. I um, mean, that's not terrible. You know, and I know people say he doesn't need any carries. Y- yes, he does. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and this game just goes to prove – look, I, I, I do want Etienne to have more carries. Don't get me wrong. I do think the, the breaking play potential is, is there, but I mean, that gap is not as large as everybody wants to make it out to be. Uh, and especially if the offensive line isn't there. Um, can ATN make some more things happen? Sure. Uh, but, you know, stat sheet here doesn't lie either at the same time. Uh, on the Florida's defense, Jamar James, eight tackles, Scooby Williams, six. But this is the, you know, Florida's defensive line got manhandled. I thought that was going to be the difference in the game. I, I thought Kentucky and their struggles so far this season and even dating back to last season up front in the offensive line. Look, they, it was even coming from their camp that they were not consistent up front. They handled, they d- couldn't handle movement up front a good bit. Uh, well, it was their movement, pinning and pulling against Florida's defensive line that was just overmatched. All you know, Credit to the Kentucky running backs as well, but it started up front for them. Um, so, you know, the stats right here on defense, Shamar James, eight tackles, Scooby Williams, six, but, you know, not a lot. You know, one tackle for loss between the two. Uh, Searcy with six, so true freshman getting more involved as well. Uh, you know, Princely, one tackle for behind. I thought he was going to be the – I said it in Gators Breakdown Plus chat the other day. I thought Princely was going to be the breakout guy for this game. Uh, nowhere near it. Jason Marshall drops a pick. Florida would score a touchdown on the next drive anyway. Uh, with Jason Marshall, call for pass interference in the end zone as well. Probably uncatchable, probably shouldn't have been called, but, I mean, he would have been better off falling so that flag wouldn't have been called because I don't think the ball was getting called anyway. Uh, but, of course, he gets called for pass interference in the end zone. Shouldn't have been pass interference, but he, you know, still causes pass interference there. Um, tough day for the safeties as well. You know, Castell uh, injured at one point, but only three total tackles. Uh, we've seen him near the top of the tackle charts week in and week out. Only three tackles today. Jalen Kimber struggled early, struggled with every bit of physicality that came his way from Ray Davis in this Kentucky run game. Uh, this Florida was that physical too. I mean, that was that, that was the story of the game. Just when we say not ready to play, that's usually the first place you see it, right? And especially against a team like Kentucky, he took it to Florida. Just took it to Florida, out physical Florida, it was it was it was ugly. Uh, to the right, as you can see here, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, if you can blow that up, if you want to see it a little bit bigger. But as I said, two for six passing in the first quarter for Florida. Two completions, six attempts, one interception. As I said, some missed open throws for for Mertz, but then went on to go eight of nine in the second quarter, five for five in the third. Grant Mertz was perfect in the second half. He was perfect in the second half. But that equated that equated to 93 total yards in the third quarter and 66 total yards in the fourth quarter. So, you know, really didn't like I said amount to much. 70 yards passing in the third, 66 yards in the fourth. When you go 10 for 10, that was only good for 66 yards. 
Oh. There you go. Looking at your stats a little bit. I mean, look at the fourth quarter. Five rush attempts, no yards. I mean, Florida was down. I mean, probably got out of their game plan a bit, and I was hoping Florida would get a little more creative in the run game, test the Kentucky edges. Uh, I think Kentucky put it on Florida so fast that whatever game plan, I mean, didn't look like there was much of one, really, that you could trust. But whatever game plan there was, Florida was taken out of it pretty early. I mean, but right away, right away you could tell. Rushing. 11 attempts, 20 yards in the first quarter. You could tell right away. This wasn't going to be there. 4 of 14 on third down. The third down issues continue for the Gators. Been terrible this year. 10 penalties. 10 penalties. I mean, I think this is where a lot of people are, are starting to get a little aggravated with what we're seeing because for the meticulous detail that this coaching staff is supposed to give this team, it's not there. It's been a lot of... I think, and I think that's why it looks so bad at times. I mean, yes, the talent is not where it should be overall for a Florida team. Hopefully that's coming down the road. All your talent's your best young talent, so that's probably going to lead to some inconsistency. Talked about that all year. But then, go on the road, look inept on the road, 10 penalties on the road again, 85 yards, inopportune fall starts, I mean, for a, a staff that was a, the, the reputation was supposed to be so detail oriented, it's not there. It, on, on the road, it's it's just not there. Billy Napier talks all the time about the things you can control. Well, that's what's that's what hurt in Florida. So it's hurting Florida more than anything, especially in these road games. Go to Kentucky stat line, and that's uh, ooh, that's where it gets a little ugly. Uh, that's well, a little ugly. That's where it gets a lot ugly. <laughs> Not really in the passing game, though. Devin Leary, I mean, the, the formula for this game was make him beat you. Well, Florida didn't do that. But the reason was, look at those numbers, 9 of 20, 69 yards and one touchdown. Devin Leary didn't do much in this game. It's because he didn't have to. It's because he didn't have to. Ray Davis, 26 carries. 280 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, one more in the air. His one catch there in the red zone for Kentucky, one catch, nine yards. That was another touchdown. So four touchdowns for Ray Davis, averaging 10.8 yards carry. Average a first down every time he touched the ball. As a running back. That was embarrassing. I'll tell you how embarrassing in just a second. Uh, with some with some with some Kentucky stats and look if it's piling is this is piling on is this is too much for you I'm sorry this is just kind of where we're at right now <laughs> talked and lauded and felt great a couple weeks ago but that was win that was positive it was slapping us in the face well this is slapping us in the face too not much in the Kentucky receiving game Barry and Brown four catches thirty seven yards leading the way there for Kentucky. All right. Get to some notes there of how ugly this was. How pretty it was for Kentucky, but not so much for Florida. So Kentucky 5-0 in the season for those guys. They've won three in a row against Florida for the first time since a four-game win streak since 48-51. to Yeah, 1948-51 is the last time this has been done. 
The 19-point margin of victory was the largest for Kentucky versus Florida since 1979 when they beat Florida 31-3. This was Kentucky's largest margin of victory against a ranked Florida team since 1976 when they won 28-9. Florida has held, or Kentucky has held Florida to 16 points or less in the last three games. 16 points or less in the last three games. And I brushed over my own in, in the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. There was a lot of talk back and forth about maybe how good Kentucky is and, ha- and how good they have been. I was giving them a little bit more respect than, than, than many and some. Uh, but this is an example of it. Three straight games where they've held Florida to 16 points or less. They've turned it around. They're a better program in Florida right now. The 33 points scored by Kentucky are the most versus Florida since a 45-37 loss in 2007 for Kentucky. Kentucky defeated a ranked Florida team for the third season in a row. As bad as the last three years, well, you know, last two years have been, we'll see where this year it goes, but Florida has been ranked when they play Kentucky, and Kentucky's beat them every time. And we certainly know the last two seasons did not end well where Florida's anywhere near a ranked team. So Florida gets kind of pumped up early in the season. You know, two years ago, it was coming off of 2020, played Alabama really tough at home, and then you go on the road and lose to Kentucky. Last year, it was you had the big win versus Utah. Florida wasn't ranked. You were a ranked team after you beat Utah, and then Kentucky wins. So that's this time, you beat Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. You weren't ranked. You get ranked for beating Tennessee. And then Kentucky comes and does it again. Weird how that's worked out. With today's win, Kentucky claimed its fourth win over a ranked team, a ranked Gators team, since 2018. First time in school history, Kentucky has defeated a ranked opponent in four years in a row. Far to be in three of those. All right, any more notes that, uh, yeah, Kentucky limited Florida to 69 yards of rushing. They've held their first five opponents of the season under 100 yards of rushing. So maybe should have put a little more stock in that coming into this game. And then just how embarrassing it was for Ray Davis to go off. 26 carries, career high, 280 yards. Look, he hurt Florida at Vanderbilt last year. Send him to Kentucky with better talent around him, and I guess this is what we're going to get. Career high, 280 yards for Ray Davis. Career best three touchdowns. 280 yards for him was the third most in a game in program history for Kentucky. 19 short of the school record. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So... That's probably where it stings the most, 
right? I mean, we defense playing so well coming in. I thought the defense would travel. I thought they'd give Kentucky's offensive offensive line a little bit of trouble. Uh, I took forever for Florida. You know, I've been talking to Will Miles and stuff, and he he pointed this out. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch the game yet, but he pointed out and going back and looking at it, you know, Florida stayed and two safety shell look didn't really stack the box. Continued to let Kentucky run all over him. I don't know how much of a difference it would have made anyway. I mean, they were they were on it this game. But the tackling on the, especially early. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, especially early, but it continued. I think we knew right away that this team did not look prepared coming in. And as I said, it, it starts in the trenches. It starts with physicality. And this is the biggest tackling issue we have seen all year for a Florida defense. Even after Kentucky was up 16-0, took too long to load the box, gap control was absolutely just not there. I mean, the names that I thought we would hear from, Princely, Jackson, Banks, just invisible today. Invisible. Credit to Kentucky. Credit to Kentucky first. It starts with them. Starts with them. All right, so Billy Napier did speak to the media after the game and, of course, was asked about his play calling. Here's what Billy Napier had to say. I remember them all, and this is in general, talking about his play calling. I remember them all. I think between possessions, we know what happened. I think sometimes you got to remain objective. No different than how we evaluate everything we do what caused the issues in the game? Sometimes it may be design. Sometimes it's communication. Sometimes it's undisciplined penalties. Sometimes it's fundamentals and techniques. I think there's a lot of things that contribute when you don't have success in this in this game. we got a great group of people that work hard to do that, and certainly we weren't good enough today. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, it can be this issue, that issue, this issue, that issue, play in and play out, but at that point, I mean, that's, that's on you. doesn't matter what the issue is. If it's a different issue, it's still on you to have these guys ready to go play. On being too conservative with play calling, yeah, I think all of the things are, um, trying to keep up, you know, just kind of word for word. I think let's just go back and look at the first third down of the game. We call it an outside zone that popped for a first down on third and long. So when they work that, they pat you on the back. When they don't work, they criticize you. Well, that's part of it. Uh, what we have to do is do our job for the players. That's what's important to me. It's important to me that we do our best for the players and the staff. When you don't have success, you deserve criticism. We deserve every bit of criticism that we're going to get for this game. That's part of it. My responsibility is to the players and to the staff. Ultimately, that's what I think about. On the criticism of his play, calling, I think there's always good and bad. Some of it's well-deserved. Some of it, you know, maybe they don't quite know what they're talking about. It's probably a mixed bag. Well, don't really matter. It doesn't look good. I mean, if there's, the criticism's warranted, as he, as he did say. They deserve every bit of criticism they're going to get for the game. But look, it, it is a combination of issues. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's probably pretty hard to call some plays with the way this offensive line is. Getting down early as well. I think I think it probably caught him by surprise a bit that the defense was not there to play. And Kentucky's up 16-0 almost right away. That probably took you out of, as I said, the game plan. 
But man, I mean, it's the. There's just no uh, no coming back when the when the run game isn't there. No coming back from it. I hate to make it sound that easy and basic, but that that's what it boils down to. Does it get deeper than that? Sure. Like, wh- you know, why are the issues there? Okay, this offensive line isn't good. They're just not. The first half of the Tennessee game was a mirage. I don't think that's an overreaction. Hopefully they can, at some point this season, get in between what we saw today and against Utah and what we saw in the first half versus Tennessee. Hopefully they're somewhere in the middle. As evident, Kentucky was a good run defense coming in. Showed today that they are. Will Florida play another defensive front like that? Eh, Georgia, sure. LSU, maybe. Florida State, maybe. But nah, right now where we're sitting, Kentucky's one of the best. Utah's one of the best. Georgia will be one of the best. I mean, this is not the last good defense you're going to play. So if you are somewhere in the middle of that, you got to show it. Back home next week versus Kentucky, you hope, but you hope, you hope a much better performance. But I'm sure on the road was probably a part of it. Should it be? No. This thing about the playing on the road, not being prepared, that's got to change. Because lately, it doesn't. It hasn't mattered who you play. You go back to last year versus Vandy. That's where we'll go from. The, go, that's where. That's where it started. It doesn't matter who you play. Team's not ready to go play on the road. All right, we'll get that chat on Discord going in just a second. I see a few guys waiting in there. I'll hop over in just a second. But Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. With 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, it is formulated to support whole body health, raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one simple, drinkable habit, creating a manageable daily habit. I now start my day drinking AG1, and after pairing it with exercise and diet, I'm ready to tackle these busy, busy days of football season. Look, my focus has to be there more than ever right now, and it helps right there by drinking AG1. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators. That's drinkag1.com slash gators to try AG1. All right, let's see. Let's make sure get this going right. Let me hop over here to the Discord. There we go. I think we're good. I think we're good. Hey, guys, you in here? Hey, what's up, Dave? What's up? What's up? What's up? Thanks for uh, hopping in here, guys. I know a little bit of somberness. Some somber Gator fans was, was hoping we'd be talking about a victory today, but I know you guys talking to most of you on the Discord uh, that this one, uh, this one, this one hurts a bit. This one hurts a bit. Yeah, there is no joy in Mudville tonight. <laughs> 
I'm not. I'm hurt that I'm not hurt more. Oh, uh, I don't know. I would expect to lose Ducky at this point. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it, it, that. Uh, I'll be honest, Dave. This was yep. a big surprise to me. The fact that we didn't show up on either side of the line of scrimmage, tackling was so bad. Um, we got completely embarrassed in every aspect of the game. And I think a lot of people are really going to be concerned uh, going forward about this performance. And I'm not sure what we can do against Vandy to change any of that opinion going forward. This is, this is a huge setback. I am very concerned going forward. Your thoughts? I get that. Uh, I absolutely do. Uh, I do not blame anybody for feeling that way. You go to you, and kind of just go back a little bit too, Corey. To you know, I, it's tough to throw away what what, what you've done. And like that, that was a good win versus Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. Um, just- but I think what we're seeing now is the, the the prevalent issues on the road, and it's just going to erase a lot of what you do at home uh, right now. It's kind of just – we saw it in a two-week time frame last year with, with Utah and Kentucky, and now uh, basically a, you know, a three-week window right here uh, with a big win over Tennessee, not looking great at home versus Charlotte, and then on the road – uh, and you know, getting pounded by Kentucky, and it's just whatever you do at home is going to be overshadowed by. Well, let's just wait till we go on the road again and get our brains beat in, because that, that, that's where the conversation is going to go, especially when it is Vanderbilt. And you know, don't get me wrong, they played Missouri okay today, uh, but they they beat Florida last year, and that was uh, on the road. But you get that game at home. We know Florida under Billy Napier. I mean, credit to them; they're a much better team at home. Uh, but that is going to start getting overshadowed by what you do on the road, and 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 the, and the thing's going to be and, and the thing's going to be and the thing's going to be is and the thing's going to be is well yeah we beat Vanderbilt but you know what we got to go on the road versus South Carolina and there's not going to be a lot of confidence in that. I mean, there's there's no reason to be confident. <laughs> he hasn't given us any evidence to be confident. I mean, I mean. Yeah, this one was very deflating. It, it's just it was bad look for Napier, especially his his comments at the press after the uh, in his press conference. I mean, it's just it, it really, really puts a lot of doubt in whether or not he's the right guy. I mean, he looks he does not look like he's ready for the SEC. That he's he's made to be an SEC coach, but just all the on field mistakes. I mean, ten penalties. I mean, you, you kind of got to put that on the head coach, not having the team ready, admitting to not having the team ready. I mean, the special teams every single week is a problem. And he, last week, I mean, dared to make us look, I mean, and pretty much insulted us by saying, hey, we're making progress in that area. It's like, no, we're not. We're deadly, I mean, making mistakes on special teams week in and week out. It's just a bad look. Um, I think that's yeah, you know, yeah. Part of the issues are you know the progress we wanted to see uh, this year, and there was one stone, and that was beating a rival, and you got that. But I think this win or this loss here, it, it, it does erase a lot uh, for 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 people's mind about you know where this is heading. 
Um, and you look on the field, it's just like, what is better on the field than when he took over? Uh, and that's that, that's part of the issue right now. I think a lot of people are having is what can you point to? Um, and, and even some of the things off the field, yeah, the culture were better and, and, and all that, and that needed to be better. The experience for players is better. Uh, but when is that going to equate to what we see on the field? Those things are great. They absolutely are great, and they are needed. I mean, that that is building block number one. But eventually, if this is going to take off, that we have to see that on the field. Uh, and uh, right now, you know, we, besides one half of football, we we haven't seen it yet this season and uh, year two. We're going to have to ask ourselves, what do we start weighing? This is an inexperienced team. There are going to be some mistakes. How much do you weigh that versus play calling? How much do you weigh that versus development? How much do you weigh that versus going on the road? You know, all these external factors. Look, it's not so black and white. It's not just one thing here and one thing there. You know, it is a combination uh, of everything. But I think, you know, we're asking ourselves a lot more questions at this point than we thought we'd be about all these different aspects. He broke me, Dave. He, he broke me today. My only requirement this year was just beat Kentucky and Vandy. I would take anything else. So we didn't get that. Where, uh, where on the field are we good? I'm not ready. definitely not. It's not that you didn't beat Kentucky today. Yeah. It's the fact that you were embarrassed. You didn't they, show there's up. no other way to put this today. There's every aspect of the game was bad. It was. There, what are you going to point to? Crawshaw finally was didn't shank one. What else are you going to hold your head up on at this point? And, got, and I hate to pile on a little bit, but in this game, there. Uh, look, I don't think I don't think. But Kentucky, there were some things they left on the field as well. How many drop passes do they have? Yeah, really. I mean, I mean, it could have been worse. Honestly, like I don't mean to pile on in that situation, and I don't usually fall. Yeah, back. but it's not even about them at this point, Dave. That, you're right. You're right. But I do. Here's the thing. I do want to give them their credit. There's too many times in this game I haven't given them their credit. And don't get me wrong. The last couple of years, there has been a lot of Florida shooting themselves in the foot. That's been part of it. They beat the crap out of Florida today. Yeah, they punched us They're, in the mouth uh, and we didn't get back up. I think we, I speak for I think I speak for everybody, man. It's just it's been a decade of bad football. It's just, it's getting really old watching it, man. Like we wait too long for this, and we, this is what we get every year. It just gets real frustrating. It's real sad, honestly. We wait too long for football season. It, I mean, this is the product we have to watch every single year. It just it's getting real bad, man. It's just at what point do we you know get to watch good football again? Like at what point? Yeah, and that and that's where I'll go to measure. Look, I think we all want to like Napier. I think almost everybody's been a fan of what he's done off the field. And I, look, and I've been around the players a lot. I like what he's built personality wise with the players, and it is a different feel in that aspect of it. But it, we all know what it comes down to. It comes down to wins and losses. And look, I think everything else that comes along with it. That's why. I think we are disappointed because I think a lot of people want to like Napier. They want to cheer for Napier. They want this to work out for him just because look, he is a good, he is a great guy. But man, it's going to have to, it's going to have to, so, so the results are going to have to be there where there's some confidence in what he's doing. Uh, and right now that's not there. The, the, the confidence and 
you know, if we're if we're taking a look down the road, if we're taking a look down at the rest of this season, and if we're taking a look down the road, I'm not sure there's a lot of confidence out there right now. History will show you that good coaches make incredible jumps in year two, even if it's not you know national championship or or any sort of championship caliber. You see a huge difference, a huge jump year one to year two. We have not seen that. I mean, I. I the offensive line, and this is my my biggest gripe with Napier. I mean, because all the time, like you, we all want to like him. We all we're all tired of hiring coaches and going through this. I mean, but he planted his flag in the very beginning with his scheme and his two offensive line coaches. And our biggest and weakest spot on the team is offensive line. I mean, it is embarrassing how bad they are playing. And to have two coaches designated to that position with all the mistakes we have, I mean, you can go in and get into play calling, but I mean, we could use that coach as a special teams coordinator just right now. I mean, with all the mistakes we made right there, I mean, that's just one phase of the game that we could clean up. I mean, we get, we don't give them one of those touchdowns if we don't make that mistake on the punt return or the personal foul, whatever it was, and then gave them the ball back and they score the very next play. Yeah, it was um, once again. Yeah, Dijon. Yeah, with the the special. yeah, D- yeah, the jumping yeah. on the other, jumping on the pile on the yeah. uh, on the pile. So and granted, if this way, that by itself would not have been bad if we didn't have all the other special team issues that we've had week in and week out. Like I would have, yeah, I, mean, I would have forgiven that weekly. in that situation if it was by itself because he's a true freshman. That that mistake is probably going to happen at at some point. But when you pair it with what we've seen on special teams last season and this season, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I yeah, mean, Georgia, um, muffed the, Georgia muffed the punt today. They don't have a special teams coach. Like, they, their fans could be just as mad, except the thing is they're not in these high-leverage situations where they're screwing up all the time because they have strength in other areas. Like, w- this special team burns us so much because we need a good special teams to win. They don't. Yeah, we know the margin. We've talked about margin for error a lot right there on the Discord chat. It's not there. There's not a margin for error. It's very, very thin for this team. And... For special teams to week in and week out be an issue for games that we know are going to be close. I mean, hey, this one wasn't even close, but if uh, you know, maybe it was a little, maybe it would have been a little closer had you been able to field that punt and have good field position, and maybe you put a score on on, on you know early in the game. Uh, but you know, Florida just you know continues to shoot themselves in the foot with special teams. That play blew that game open and made it pretty much. Unrecoverable. I mean, that was yeah, a very difficult game. I mean, it was it was pretty much over after that. Paper trying to go for two on the second touchdown. What a <sighs> yeah. what, what the hell was so, that? Like yeah. nobody wants to talk about like the missed tackles like early on. Like it just kept piling on. Where's all those Missed tackles coming from all of a sudden when they seem well, like a short tackling team and and we, like and and I wanted to go there earlier. I'm not ready to throw away this defense by any means. I, I'm still I'm still high on the defense. Hopefully today was just a, a bad game, bad matchup. Hopefully, um, I don't think they're going to be that bad all year. Um, so I'm not ready to throw. I'm not ready to hang that side of the ball out to dry yet. Uh, I, I still, those I'm still those guys there. are running into our defenders, Dave. Do what? You, you don't tackle a guy who's running into you? Like, come on. Well, like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm it, not it excusing wasn't even today. Open field tackles for the most part. Like, 
I mean, there were open field missed tackles, but uh, a lot there are a lot of missed tackles, like close together. I, I don't. I, it blew my mind. I did not expect that in the very in the very lightest. No, I agree. I mean, the, probably the most disappointing aspect to me was the defense. I'm not. I'm not excusing what they did today. I'm just saying we're, since we're looking forward a little bit, maybe you know, where this thing is going to go. I'm not ready to throw away the defense yet. I think the defense is still going to keep Florida in a whole bunch of ball games this year. We better toughen up. Our entire team looks soft. I, mean, I get that, but how do you explain it? Oh, I can't explain, explain it. it I can't. Besides, Kentucky just whooping us. I mean, that, that's the best explanation of it. No, it's not about them. <laughs> it's us. At, no, some, like, hey, at some point, you got to line up against somebody else, too. Yeah. Our D line was invisible again. I don't know that we thought that was our strength, and I'm really well, well, yes. confused about that. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, if you're being honest about it, the best offensive player on the field for either team was Ray Davis, and yep. the best defensive player was Devon, was Deion Walker. So, you know, we we keep thinking we have such a better roster than Kentucky, but and the truth is, it's pretty close. It is. That's the problem. Yep. Yeah, I just feel like the one thing we thought we had with this team was a deep D line, and they just got manhandled by Kentucky all day. So now, now it's like, what? Now what? You know what I mean? Now it's just. <laughs> you know, and see, that's a good point. It wasn't even Kentucky working Florida and then piling up the yards in the, the second half because you had probably worn down a Florida defense. It was from the get go. It was yeah, first play. Yeah, it was from the get go when you were fresh. You had your best players out there. Uh, and look, how many times have we talked about it as this game was happening in the early stages of bad starts? Um, for whatever reason, this team also, that's another MO of this team, are, are the slow starts. Uh, but this this one piled on. So the slow starts on the road are going to be scary, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid of that. You know, As we saw versus Tennessee, uh, slow starts when you're at home is a whole lot easier to deal with. But if this slow start is going to continue being issues as well, Man, that's gonna. It looks like it gets multiplied when Florida's on the road. I kind of wonder what made us all think that a system guy like Billy Napier, who is so set on organization, infrastructure, detail, would be a good play caller. Because I think all of us can sit here and say today, like, there were elementary things that we could have done on offense. Where was a middle screen? If the D line is blowing your offense alignment up, how about throw a middle screen? How about a wide receiver screen? And we weren't even seeing those elementary things that you could do to back the defense up. That's the most frustrating part for me, is that Billy Napier cannot adjust. And and we're talking about adjusting on a level that high school coaches can adjust. If the defensive line is killing your offensive line, we'll make some calls to get the defensive line to back off. And that's easily done with some screens. And there wasn't a single screen done, not a wide receiver screen, not even a jet sweep, nothing on the edges. Where was all that that we saw as far as like, and I, I don't know what happened to Trey today. I thought he was starting, um, but I, I didn't see him much of him. Maybe he got injured. Wait, in summer, bro. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm going to assume he just wasn't healthy. They put him out there. Maybe it was a gamesmanship for Kentucky to maybe plan for him and him not play. Gotcha. But I, that, that's what I'm going to assume. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was going to play. I even asked around people, I – who were a little closer than I am to it, thought he was going to play as well. Uh, so, that I'm, But yeah. it makes sense that a system guy like Billy can't adjust because he can't get away from his systems. 
without an offensive coordinator, at least a pass play offensive coordinator to co-coordinate because Billy can draw uh, his running plays. Yeah, that's my but worry. What you can't do. I'm going to call yeah. Joe Brady, huh? <laughs> I mean, that's my uh, that's my worry. Guys. I mean, if you can't Joe Brady if, to the rescue. If he can't run, it's not there. And there, there, many, there's no adjustment to it. How many times did Pierce all go in motion and then just and stand there? Not even rotation at running back, too. Like, yeah, that's another question I have. Where's ETN? That's, that's another way that we could, I, don't that, I, don't, I don't think that. I don't think that would have made a problem. Is we finally yeah, have I, mean, to I don't think that would have made a difference. Break this thing down and start. I think it would have made a difference with ETN, and here's why. It's the problem. Your defensive line is blowing up your offensive line. We got way too many people talking about each other. Your defensive line is blowing up your offensive line. MJ is a great running back, but he's a power guy who wants to go through the gaps. ETN can take a step and make you miss. So if your defensive line, if the defensive line is killing your offensive line, you got to put a guy behind the ball that can actually make somebody miss. So while that may Does be the, seen as nitpicking, I, okay, I, I, okay, but I brought this up earlier, so you guys probably missed it. But what's the stat? What's the stat sheet say today? ETN had one more carry and two less yards per carry on this. Yeah, I mean, four or five more carries for ETN is not going to make up. 30 points we just got beat by or the 22 points where it was i mean johnson was 10 carries 42 yards etm was 11 carries 29 yards it yeah, those guys I'm not play, saying it would have made it yeah those guys play football too like, they're not just gonna <laughs> let etm run all over them all day yeah uh, yeah i wasn't saying it was gonna make a difference i was saying it's part of the overall bigger problem that billy can run yeah. offense yeah, I, was say, I, I don't mind etm getting more because as you said I, he may get stuffed at the same rate as a Montreal Johnson, but you still probably have that chance of the big play that you No, there's no excuse to not start ETN. You there's no excuse to not start him. None. It is a complete failure of this coaching staff to start Trell over ETN to begin the game. There is no more excuses on that. He's loyal to Trell. He brought him over. He yeah. I don't care. Him. He I looks mean, like Nolan did with Grantham and that's a problem. You're it would, be more, it, it would be more of an issue. Yeah, it would be more of an issue for me if he didn't play him at all. The whole who's yeah, starting. You're still going to rotate him. So who starts and who doesn't? Because really Florida's is, not I mean, losing a game. Do you ever, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Starting the game on the road done. hot is more important. So you start your best players. There is a clear advantage like starting ETN over Montreal. Like, clearly. He's better. Clearly. Yeah. You start a game on the road, you want your best players. Like, what Montreal are we doing? played better today. I mean, the stats no, he had. Montreal is not better than ETN. Under no circumstance is he better than ETN. Overall, I don't care be, what the score says. He may not be better overall, but today does not mean the ETN was going to go off today. He, he wasn't going to. Doesn't matter. You start him anyways. He's not. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I think I think Kentucky was just they just had Florida's number today. I, I don't. I yeah. just think that's what it was. Like, exactly. exactly. Should have just started Max Brown then. And what's the point? Biggest issue is I don't know where that's going. Billy Napier is not an SEC play caller. I mean, regardless of his system, I mean, we need we need talent, but he needs to relinquish those duties. He needs to hire another. Either promote Callaway if that's the plan, or hire an outside offensive coordinator, somebody else take over the offense to call plays. He needs to be a CEO. That's his only shot. I mean, if he continues to be stubborn and keep this two offensive line system and continue to call plays, 
then we're, we're hiring a new coach after next year. I mean, uh, that's all there is to it. That's the way I see it. Cause I mean, we're not, I mean, it's not going to last a whole other season after this one going into looking at the schedule next, next year. I mean, it's going to, it's going to take uh, a lot the rest of this season just to hold on to this recruiting class. I mean, I, that's, I think that's the biggest worry in Gator Nation is when it starts to, to uh, rain, it starts to pour. So we, we, we if, if that starts to fall, fall down and that starts to, to, we start losing recruits, then what is, what, what's the point in keeping Napier at that point? I mean, cause at, then we, we, we don't have anything to back up to come back on and for it to, to build on, you know, what, uh, Dave, Dave, what could we do realistically, like on offense, like for Napier this year? Is there anything we could do at all? Or are we just screwed until the offseason? You know what I mean? Like, what could we realistically do? What could he do on offense? Like, any kind of changes at all? Or are we just screwed until the offseason? <laughs> I did say this earlier. I mean, look, there's, there is the chance that we're just bad on offense. I mean, that, that's, that's very possible. You know, the, the play calls, the talent, the personnel. I mean, granted, I, look, I do agree. Overall, I do think ETN needs more carries. Yes, I don't still think that was the that that's not the reason for a loss today. It's not big picture. Yes, absolutely. Getting more carries, get build a game plan around him having more carries. I think that's probably deeper. That's probably where I would start. Build a game plan where you're getting the ball in his hands a bit more. Hopefully Wilson comes back soon. I do think he's a difference maker. I think a lot of it is getting your best guys back. Um I, and like I said today, I do think Florida got down so fast that I think whatever whatever game plan there was, uh, it went out the window. And so, I, I, Dave, there was no offensive line today, bro. Right, and that's hard. No. If the offensive, like, I, I will say it. Going off that, if the yeah. offensive line doesn't get better, I don't care what you're doing. Two coaches. I'm going to get. I'm get up ahead. Hey, bull. Yeah, never mind. I, I, I wanted to get you in here. Yeah. When Tate Casey was watching the game, one of the, his big comments was, this was right during halftime, he said, as I watch the two lines of scrimmage, the Gators versus Kentucky, it's so clear that Kentucky wants this game so much more than the Florida lines. And I don't mean just the OL. I'm talking about the DL, too. Mm-hmm. And he said, that, to me, is the difference in the game. He says, there's no way that, they, that their DL should be pushing back our OL like they are and vice versa. And that kind of, as as people have been saying in the chat all day, lack of urgency, you know, from the head coach and it trickles down to the players seems to be one of the big problems. It's like that, you know, maybe we need a rah-rah guy because I don't think Billy is a rah-rah guy. And, you know, I, I know that only lasts so long in the game, but considering we need to get off to a fast start, maybe we need that. Well, we had 13 players on the field, and we still couldn't get a push. <laughs> yep, that's true. Crazy, man. We uh, we look like a JV squad against Varsity. I mean, that's it's really hard to fathom right now, honestly. We are broken. We are a completely broken program, and I don't know how we turn this around. Like all you, it, like we're nitpicking on all this little stuff, and our program's been fucked forever, and everybody wants to. Tiptoe around the real fucking issue here. Uh, Watch the language. Watch the language. Language. All right. I'm sorry, but I don't know if this is being recorded. Yes. Uh, The things that we're going to have hope is what's going to happen in 2000 or uh, signing day, early signing day. If we get these kids in and it's not going to be immediate, 
But that's hope. And but you know, as somebody pointed out today, you know, nobody signed any letters of intent yet. So uh, <laughs> if that falls, no, okay, okay, right? here, we, here, here we go. Like I'm you're, excited. You're issue. Yeah, I, I'm excited for this recruiting class. I hope it stays intact. That is a sign of hope. But here's the thing: what are we talking about? Our biggest issue right now is offensive lines, and that recruiting is not there. So we're just going to be yeah, having exactly. much more of the same. It can get better, but if the offensive line is not there for what the, the offense Billy Napier wants to run, it's 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 going to continue to look like this. We're going to continue seeing the same issues over and over again. And look, we saw it last yeah. year. We, we we got our preview. Osiris Torrance didn't play versus LSU. Thankfully, you had Anthony Richardson to bail you out, but the run game wasn't there. And as much as we wanted to throw away the bowl game performance last year, that was another precursor of what we were about to get this year because besides one half of football, and I ain't counting McNeese, this is what, that's exactly what the offensive line has looked like. It's exactly what it looked like without Osiris Torrance last year and was slapping us in the face right now. We're going to hit the portal hard. Right, there you go, boy. That's the only thing you can do is hit the portal hard on the offensive line, but... Look, I, I love who Florida has brought in in the transfer portal. It has made big differences. We need more of them. That's been my complaint with the transfer portal. We just need more of them. If you want to see any kind of turnaround, if you want to see a deeper offensive line, there was a chance. There was a chance there this past portal class. You went and got Mazuka. It hasn't really paid off to the degree I thought it would. Hudson hasn't. George hasn't. I mean, that I, I was think... The one guy that- I think one when we look at offensive line and, and, and I look at transfers, most of them have been pretty good, but the offensive line ones aren't paying off in this second in this second year. Well, there was the one fellow who left because of his mother's yeah. health. Yeah. He was probably the highest rated of all of them. Yeah, but he wasn't ready either. Yeah. Maybe down the road. No, my, my point with uh, the uh, with the recruits was that somebody asked, you know, oh, Joe, it seems that what do we have, really we have waiting for us with this crew? And I said, the only thing we have, because he's kind of failed on most of the levels, is what's going to happen in 2024 with the recruiting. Otherwise, like Jay, I think it was JP that said, show me where he's been a good CEO. You know, so people who want, don't want to be the offensive coordinator anymore, show me where he's been a good CEO. And only these recruits, none of whom have signed on the dotted line yet. Oh, that was my biggest yeah. thing. Because he was he wasn't a CEO at Louisiana because he all plays there, um, he just seems too stubborn to let it go. And then say that he does let it go next year, does he still have his hand in the pot? You have to assume he does. Well, here's the, here's I mean, here's another thing. I mean, here's another thing. He's on his what third going into his third recruiting class. You've built the team in your image of what you want to do so far. So if you go get an OC, are you getting somebody who is very similar to you? Or are you going out there and getting somebody else who's just going to change what you've tried to build your team towards? Now, don't get me wrong. We've said it over and over again. A good OC can come in and make the, make the best of what he can with what you have. But if we're talking OC, where does Napier go? Because I have a hard time believing he's going to go out and get somebody he doesn't already kind of know. Yeah, you can't get somebody to come in and call his plays. I mean, I think he holds a dab. And is and is that good enough? No, that's not. I mean, that's the problem. I think I think that's part of the problem is his system is so heavy run oriented that it is. I mean, it's your downfall. I mean, like like we got we got down two scores and we were in panic mode and 
couldn't do anything. I mean, we it's it's just no. We need a more balanced attack. Something you know that I don't know. Yeah, if, I, if I, I'm he just gives up play calling, if he gives up play calling, he has to give it up completely. Yeah, I just well, don't think. That's that's I'm not betting on it, but I think that's a lot I, of people he reminds me of what Dabo is doing that's with Riley at Clemson. That's why people were bringing up uh, Coach Callaway, who had a very run-heavy offense at uh, Georgia Southern. But once again, we're talking about a lower level, stepping up to the SEC. Uh, you can hope that it would be better because some of these play calls I, I can't figure. But as Ocho pointed out the get, today, it's not going to matter if you don't have the players. And which is no Call- Callaway had Cal- Callaway was at Samford. He had a big passing offense. There. Sanford, my bad. I thought so. Yeah, but but it was but it was but it was passing so, offense. So, it was but it was four hundred yards of passing offense per game. Yeah, but his offense isn't going to matter. Mertz can't like, Mertz can't read a field. He can't find <laughs> open receivers, and when he yeah, does, yeah. he overthrows them. Like, oh my bad. Just, yeah, I was not talking about this year. You have a quarterback who can make throws. That offense is irrelevant. Like Mertz looks at wide open receivers and doesn't throw them. He looks like Zach Wilson and Justin Fields out there. Like just so bad. Like it's so bad. I'm not sure what the fixation is on play calling. Uh, we, we gave up 200 yards to a running back in the first half. We turned the ball over early. We get, we made really, really game changing uh, impactful penalties. Like, sure, you can. We just maybe the that. play calling wasn't perfect, but it seems to me like that's like third or fourth on the list as far as why we lost this game. Oh yeah, we we, we discussed those other. Oh, swag! I don't know when you hopped in. We discussed some of those earlier. Um, so, but I think this is going to be, you know, probably because it's a, a continued issue. I think that's why it's going to continue to be brought up even more. And of course, offense gets the love and the hate uh, more so than <laughs> defense most of the time. I just I don't. Think it allows him to step back though and be more CEO, take care of other issues, you know, game planning on field, not having enough players on special teams. And um, I mean, we already need giving, a special teams coach. Well, we're going to find these two extra coaches. Well, it lets him pay more attention. To that I would think he could spend more time worrying about that, other than worrying about the next possession for the offense. You know, he's the offensive coordinator. He's playing, calling plays. A lot of times when he's on when the defense is out there, when the special teams is going out there, he's over there talking to the quarterback, you know, getting ready for the next next time they go out. Um, if he has less time, less time doing that, then he has more time to devote. At least that's the hope. He has more time to devote in other areas of the game. That's the hope anyway. Yeah. And as far as the play calling goes, that was a big concern when Napier was hired. A lot of people was- were not happy that he bring an OC in at that point. And then with the struggles on offense this year, without a mobile quarterback, it just kind of, it doesn't sit right with a lot of the fans that wanted an OC to begin with. I think that's where he was fired at Clemson. I think that, you know, comes from a lot of people there. You know, I was, I was willing to let it see it and and play out. There's enough evidence now. And even if it's going to the other point where it helps him in other aspects of the game, then okay. But at, that, and that's at the bare minimum. Now, if you want to throw in the lack of play calling, lack of creativity, lack of getting it going, um, throw that in there as well. The above. Uh, yeah. Now you could, yeah. At this point, you know, almost a season and a half in, it can be all the above uh, to the reason for needing an OC. Um, 
as I said, at right now, I think this offensive right now, line, yeah. this offensive line is at a point now to where I'm not so sure how much it improves. Could it improve? Sure. How much? I don't think the ceiling is, you know, very, very, very high. Um, it could be better. Sure. I'm not saying fair, I'm not saying it can't be. To be fair, Mertz was a lot more of the issue than the play calls today, for sure. And the offensive line. And the offensive line. I mean, how, like how many times did Merch just completely miss receivers today? And that causes the offensive Only line five. to block more. Like, I don't know, oh, I don't know how we can ignore this. Him missing his reads and holding on to the ball forever, at what point are you – like, do we need to blame him instead of the offensive line? I mean, like, how yeah. long are you no, – that, that, That's part of it. That's what I said. When you go and just look at the stats and his numbers, it does – for him, it does go deeper than that. There are times when, you know, he definitely is missing his reads. He's, he's not, he's not getting rid of the ball. A lot of grief, and he holds on to the ball forever. There were a lot of times where – I mean, the one obvious one, right, where the guy's wide open in the middle of the field, literally square in the middle of the face for a first down, and he, he doesn't see the read. And it's going to happen time to time, but you see that so many times where there's guys wide open down the field. He's just completely missing out. his hot read, hot read so, right in front of him. Right in front yep. of him. I mean, hey, look, guys, when it looks as bad as it did today, it's not just one thing. <laughs> oh, no. It's a lot yeah. of yeah, it's, a, it's a mixture of things because – I mean, I know we like our guys. I know we like Ricky, but he's not scaring people. We don't have wide receivers that are scaring defenses in the SEC, honestly. We don't have cornerbacks oh, who can tackle. We don't have linebackers who were terrible today. Our linebackers. I mean, I mean, that brings up the point, too, that our two most uh, impactful offensive players are underutilized. Well, one was hurt today, so you can't really use that, but uh, – the other one is is underutilized as well. He doesn't even get the start, so that, that's another whole issue right there. I wonder if this coaching staff game planned all week to have Trey Wilson here, and then had to like scramble and figure it out day of the game without him. Hmm. Well, supposedly, I I read somewhere that he wanted to play, and Napier made the decision not to play him. Yep. Napier or the really medical looks staff. Like. I, it's a, it's a, it really yeah. looks like. It. I, I will feel say, like we prepared all week to have him and made the call today to not. And that is a, the, the offense did look different on like their first drive against Tennessee. That's the offense that I would say could work in the SEC. But right. like I said, we don't know if that was a mirage or not. Armani, if we give Trey the ball six times in one drive, I'm down. That sounds like a fantastic drive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How long y'all think that's gonna work? Relax. I mean, I mean, it's it's not something that I say we could do every game, but I'm saying the way they came out against Tennessee, I think that works more times than not. All right, here's here's the here's the exact quote on Eugene Wilson. We didn't feel good about putting him out there. We were hopeful that he would be ready. He had some contact throughout the week after evaluating him in pregame. It wasn't in his best interest as much as maybe he wanted to go. I think we made a decision that he wasn't ready. Did they just pull a Kyle Pitts and Dan Mullen? You guys think the medical staff said, yeah, he's he's cleared, he can play, and Napier was like, no, let's not play him. Right. No. I don't think that at all. I, exactly. yeah, I don't think that. I that think would, it may have been that, a pain that, tolerance there. Yeah, that, that would be a bit of a reach. And look, what player doesn't want to play? Yeah. I mean – Travis yeah. Hunter for Colorado wants to play right now. 
And but how do you, how do you <laughs> put him on the injury report? Is questionable. Like, like I said, I, how do you, they put him through. They put him through it this week. Like I said, I think they wanted to try it and see how far he could get. But ultimately, it doesn't look like far so enough. Many, there are so many reasons he might not have been able to play today. So it's hard to speculate. But yeah, I mean, I think obviously they they were hoping he was going to be out there today. Coaching should have had a setback yesterday. Oh, exactly. Like instead of making things simple, they just want to like overcomplicate every aspect of football. <laughs> I mean, any anybody have any good reason why Montrell is starting over ETN for real no. though? Oh, a good reason? No, no. anybody? No, I don't have no. It's I don't entirely have entirely possible. Like that I said, ETN wants Montrell to start over him. What? Okay, explain. I like it. Explain. I mean, he takes the hits first, sets him up for. Montrell's different style and he gets to come in and clean up like it's good for your yard for carry. It's I don't like, I don't know a, I don't know a gamer that thinks like that. There's there's no way. I don't know a single person that would think like yeah. that. Because the excuse for not running him that we heard was oh we're just keeping him healthy for Kentucky. And we gave him what one carry in the first quarter, I think three total touches in the first half. Like wh- what are we doing? Yeah, if you're asking me, fair, so, yeah, if you're asking me for what I want to see different on offense moving forward, yes, I would. I'd love to see a game plan built around Etn. Right. To be fair, Montrell is very valuable. He's yes. a good back. Exactly. But he's not. Yeah, he's third not and one, ETN. third and two. Like he's, he's a good short back. Like he's not Etn. Etn is statistically better in every way. Just well, guys, guys, guys. Let's not forget okay. that they tried to give Etn another carry on fourth and one in the Wildcats. <laughs> on their side of the field. So, let's not forget to try to give him one more. Which is a second. Was that another penalty? In the world. Was Dude, that was a penalty. penalty. Yeah. You know what? I didn't see anybody jump. I saw nobody jump. That was completely – there were some BS calls by the refs. I didn't think Jason Marshall had the PI in the end zone, uh, even though he had a horrible game. But fourth and one, and we just like, Mertz is like six foot two, two thirty five. Like line him up under the center and just get a quarterback sneak. Well, no, that, what was I it? What, what was it? What was it? What was, was the, the, right the, the next drive? We did do a sneak and it went for like five yeah, yards. Did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like, yeah, exactly, exactly. But like that, I said, he did try to get ET in one more snap. He tried to get him on that walk on yep. fourth and one. Yep. yep. I will say the one, yet, though. the one positive I saw today is Andy Jean is ready. There you go. I, I, I was going to ask. I was going to ask, and I brought his name up earlier when I went through the stats of you know, good thing that he he's looks to be appearing a little bit. Uh, gives me a there, look there wasn't much positive to take away from this game is there anything else you know if if it is there i don't want to overlook it for you guys um i definitely like taking more shots downfield earlier that was there now you right. gotta hit them yeah but i like seeing so, that oh so yeah, the thing and, with and, andy gene is are they going to use him yeah against vanderbilt or well, is he going to be good, right back on the sideline? They're going to have to. Douglas is probably out. Yeah, Douglas mm. Douglas would be out for a little while. So that was in the uh, post-game press conference as well. So it doesn't look to – let me see if I can get the exact quote on that so I don't go well, – Caleb, Caleb is uh, Caleb's injured. He'll be out for a significant chunk of time. He's got a lower leg injury. I think it's non-surgical, but it will be quite a bit of time. Anything on Castell? Because didn't he get hurt down by the goal line? He did. I want to say he was back in. Cor- 
Correct me if I'm wrong on that, if anybody remembers. So, Dave, here's another question I have. And maybe I just don't pay attention to other teams when I watch, uh-huh. you know, like their substitutions and things. But why do we rotate so many DBs? Why can't we put our best two out there and leave them out there? Hmm. I think we're still trying like to find we our rotate, best two. We rotate so many people. And I, I get it on the D line. They're big boys. They need oxygen. But like when I'm watching football and and I'm looking out there and I see Kimber the first two drives and he struggles. And then they bring, you know, more in. And I know more. I don't know if he got hurt on that blocked extra point mm-hmm. when he got ran down by our kicker, uh, by Kentucky's kicker. But then all of a sudden, like the next drive, boom, Kimber's right back out there. And it's like Well, it could have been they wanted to start Kimber. He was struggling because he struggled mightily early. So they pulled him. Oh, absolutely. So they pulled him. Kimber jumped on a pile of people that wasn't even the running back. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, that was so what ugly. Are you doing? That was so ugly. It's just the good old days when you other... just line up on fourth and one and get it every time. You just knew you were gonna get it. We just can't do that anymore. Bad. One one positive for you, Dave, is uh Nine for twenty for sixty-nine yards. That's uh, Leary's passing stats on yeah, the day. Yeah, you yeah. had told me those stats Main this morning. I told you it was one by thirty. Yes, they had sixty-nine passing yards, and we got demolished. Guys, that's the crazy that's, thing, that's, you know. And we—I talked gross. about it all week as a joke. It's like, well, okay, Florida's defense has been bad, but they've played good against Kentucky. <laughs> we finally have a good defense, and then they play bad versus Kentucky, and it's not even the quarterback. I thought the days of uh, I thought the days of making running backs look like Barry Sanders were over. I guess not. I mean, go back to Levis, and I mean, and now Leary. Kentucky has not had good quarterback play versus Florida in this three game winning streak, and yet they have three wins. They're about to start a forty year winning streak against us. <laughs> it's it's mind blowing. <laughs> Don't you dare say that. Um, We're just not a good football team right now. We have a losing Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Oof. Well, that was true once Kentucky. That was true once Vanderbilt beat us last year. (laughs) So nothing's changed in that regard. Uh, Castell's last recorded stat was in the second quarter, early second quarter. So I do not know if he came in. Came back. I think he, it looked like his arm. Yeah. it looked like a broken arm, but depending injury, but it definitely looked like he hurt himself. I might could go try and find a late defensive That's play be a big and, loss. and see if he was in. Because I remember seeing Moten a lot after that. And granted, Moten made some decent tackles. I mean, he was okay, but we also can't forget that Kentucky dropped a lot of passes, and we yep. probably lose this game way more if they learn how to catch. I brought that up too earlier. Yep, that was that was one break. Yep, Florida cult. Unfortunately, all our issues, or, or a lot of our issues, are issues we shouldn't see in year two. I mean, it's it. We finally got a block kick today. There you go. We lost by nineteen. There's another positive. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, a I mean, lot of the issues that we had last year. The touchdown is nuts. Yeah, the issues that plagued us last year are still there this year. That's that's definitely a concern. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you look at history. I mean, you look in the past. Year two usually defines, kind of tells you how good your your coaching is. I mean, 
And in this in this day and age with the transfer portal, it, there's really no escape excuse. I mean, you need to rebuild your roster. You can do it. I mean, so for him to for our offensive line to be this bad, I mean, I know we talked about it earlier. He had chances to go get more guys, and he brought in Mizuka, and that was it. But well, he brought in George, but um, it's just. Well, that's, I mean, the, well, really that's what I said about the offensive line. Like, they're actually, you know, I, I think overall the transfer portal has been a net positive for Billy Napier. The transfer portal additions of the offensive line have not made a difference yet so far this year. Yeah, so, they're, they're, they're not that good. Yeah. Because I was pretty players. serious through the whole game. Did our middle eight look better? Because I just don't remember. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, we scored it. a touchdown oh. and then we stopped them after the half. Yeah. Middle eight was better. All right, I found three positives. No, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we stopped them after the half. I think they, yeah, they scored. scored. Yeah, so they scored yeah. After the half. yeah, so Florida's last offensive drive at the first half was a touchdown, and that drive started with two forty nine left, and uh, in the first half, and then third quarter start. Yeah, Kentucky scored on their first drive. We tied. So tied, tied the middle eight. Tied boys. the middle eight. Hey, that's positive. Yeah, <laughs> for, for Billy, that's positive. Round, round of applause. Can, can you guys imagine if we – all right, so we're talking about the transfer portal, and we talk about, you know, Billy's not going to bring in guys that he doesn't think fits his culture. He's just not going to do it. But can you imagine – everybody wanted Devin Leary. Can you imagine if we had gotten Devin Leary and he was playing for us and was 9 of 20 <laughs> for 69 yards today? I mean, can we imagine that for a second? Uh, today, well, that he would have been really, really bad. So, so, so the final score and, today would have been 40 to <laughs> 7 Kentucky? Maybe forty to three. Maybe yeah. forty. Maybe forty three. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you can argue Leary opens up our playbook more because he probably makes some of these reads and opens these hits these mm. open receivers. Hey, which, so, which one? Which one's better? Nine of twenty for sixty nine or twenty five of thirty for two forty four? They're not. In, they're not inclusive. They're, you, you can't yeah. compare the two. Yeah. When you win thirty three <laughs> to fourteen or whatever it is, the nine of twenty is better. But well, because I know for a fact Leary hits Jackson on that fourth down play. And that's what I was going to say. Like, Mertz is definitely missing. And he's been sitting here all night. And Mertz is just missing his reads. And I don't, I can't understand if he's got happy feet, if he's just not seeing it. But he's all of us have seen. And the throws. Like, the throw yeah, to. Yeah, he's way over through Jackson. He's the check down king. When he gets out that, of the, the pocket, to, he doesn't look downfield. And the few times he does, he doesn't, he, he doesn't connect very well. So the throw to Arliss, that was an interception, is supposed to be a lower throw to protect your guy. He sailed. Agreed, but Arliss has to catch that. He has to catch that. Yeah. Sailed. Arliss, yeah. Arliss plays scared. Even if he catches it and gets smacked. I mean, he's he, three guys Arliss are right there. What are we doing? It was high. It was high. But he has to catch that. All right, so he overthrew maybe, maybe Douglas similar. on the first play. Like he had a lot of high throws. He only he completed it. He had is such a fraudulent stat to look at because his so average many of these throws is like five yards. Or like, yeah. well, I think I think a part of that too is like they just got punched in the mouth, right? They, they don't. They're trying to recover, and then your OC is not calling plays to gain confidence with your quarterback. So you're not giving him easy throws. Right, because that's what you should be doing is you should be giving him easy throws to build his confidence so that he can calm down, not throw it high to, to board it. Like that's what should have happened. And instead, they just fed him to the wolves and he, you know, run his butt off out there, not knowing what to do. And I agree, Miss Jackson m- missed a ton of reads. Um, some and I don't like Palmer calling the games either because when Ricky got the deep shots, it wasn't the defender that knocked the ball out. Ricky caught the ball and the ground popped it out. 
But according yeah. to Palmer, it was the defender. Um, but no, I, I, but again, that goes back to like, it can all lead back to somebody who knows how to run an offense because if the offensive line is not playing well, there's things you can do to, 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 to um, neutralize that. If your quarterback is too high, strong at the moment, you got to calm him down. There's things you can do to neutralize that. None of that is being done. Well, this goes back matter. to what I said earlier, though. This goes back to what I said earlier. They prepared all week to have Trey in the game. And when they didn't have him, they scrambled and they fumbled the bag and they just didn't know what to do. The play calls really were good point. all over the place. They were all over the place. There was no rhythm to any play call in that first quarter. Like nothing. Well, I go back to it, guys. I mean, this, there is a possibility that this is just not a good offense. Which is a poor excuse because it's year two. You've had two years of transfer portals. I mean, if it's talent that you need, you've had chances to get talent. If we're just, we keep on waiting and banking on the Let's be honest. Class. Most of these guys are his guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you might just, and that's good. That's, and that's good and bad at the same time because a lot of the good we are seeing it, are, you know, his guys to, to your point, but. At the same, the at the same time, you could have, uh, you know, you could have been more. Look, I've always said he should have been more aggressive in the portal. I've, 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 I've stood by that. But do you I'm think not a real desirable offense? But it's the thing. That's what I was. About, that's what I was about to say. Do you think the explosive type of guys who we would think that we would want would want to come play in this offense? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see it. Well, we're about I to mean, get it. Which quick. I don't get because his his offenses at Louisiana were not what we're seeing here. But he was at Louisiana <clears throat> yeah. playing against Sun Belt defenses. I think AR was able to mask so much of our offensive line last year that Billy thought that we actually might have had a decent O-line. And then this year we're seeing they are not decent at all. And we just did not kill it in the portal like we should have. Hopefully next year he actually gets O-linemen in the portal, like actually puts an emphasis on that. I don't know. AR masked a lot of our bad offensive line last year. And it's kind of obvious now. But Yeah, but again, and I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm not putting that much of our problems all on the offensive line because they're being forced to block longer than they should because we have a quarterback who can't make reads. They're not run blocking either, though. I right. mean, they're not <laughs> blocking anybody. I mean, they're not. We're <laughs> talking about passing game. Well, the offense, they, they got to do both. I mean, they're not doing anything. The offensive line is terrible. It is a huge part of the problem. Well, and, 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 and Napier even said it. Yeah, and Napier said after the game today, that's, that's part of it. Like, with. Um, the way he wants to play his game, you know, that's that's been part of the issue. I'm trying to find um where what he said. Yeah, here he goes. On the biggest concern about the game, physicality, yeah. We got beaten around here. I don't know that we've been beat up like that. We got to take ownership of that. Much like I said before, give some credit to Kentucky. That's exactly what I told the team. I said, look, they beat us. You have to look in the mirror. We had our opportunities out there today. That's what I would say. Sometimes you come in here and it feel like you went toe-to-toe. You played a brand of football you want to play, and maybe execution was the issue. They got after us, both lines of scrimmage. Again, I respect it. We've done it to other people, and I think anybody that knows me, that's going to be the most disappointing thing about the game. He wants to lean on an offensive line. And when he can't – I mean, he pointed two coaches to it. Yeah. Yep. When you put that much resources into it, it has to be better than what we're seeing. Yeah, it is the focus of your offense. Yeah. And if it's not good on the field, at least we're well, but like uh you can't do that either. So I did go back and look. I do see I do see Castell on the field in the fourth quarter. So he did come back. Oh that's 
great news. Yeah. So didn't record any stats after the second quarter, but he was on the field. So overall, I think the fact yes. that nobody could remember that he was in the second half is probably not a good sign, though. Or, yeah, or a good. Yeah, if you're playing a passing team, I guess that's a good sign because he wasn't getting picked on or getting thrown over or anything. But as you said, for him, we usually notice it because he's in a lot of plays. Kentucky is touchdown. Every game, I feel like we have this. You got to look in the mirror. Second yeah. half of Tennessee, look in the mirror. Charlotte, look in the mirror. Utah, look in the mirror. Like, why? 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 Trickle down effect starts from the head coach. I didn't think. I didn't think we'd be in this. Uh, I didn't think we'd be in the checked out. Like I've already checked out on the season. Like I'm still gonna watch every week, but it just kind of checked out. Like our expectation wise, kind of looking forward to the offseason already. I did not think it'd be this early. I really didn't. But I guess it is what it is. And we are so like, oh my god, we have our hands tied behind our back with this buyout contract. It's nuts. I don't really. I do not want to get into a fire talk or anything like that. That's just, it's not happening right now. There's just not happening. So he's going to get a chance to hire, to, to fix his staff next year. Maybe hopefully he hires an OC, changes the offensive line, you know, thing, do whatever. It's going to be, it's off season going to be massive for him. We're going to see what he's made of. So the rest of the season is still massive for him. He can't lay an egg. Yes. Right. I don't think he's going to have a choice. There's a lot of games that like worry me now. Missouri on the road worries me. South Carolina on the road worries me. Like every that game, all, that should all worry. All the games at home worry me. LSU on the road, like Jesus. I mean, we've looked like this for three and a half of our five games, and that's uh, I mean, this is who we are. So I asked in the main chat, um, out of all the coaches in the SEC, where like, where how do you rank Billy? One through what we have, what 14 teams. So, out of the 14 coaches, where do you put Billy in that rank? And below there, he's gonna be below some guys that nobody would ever think when he was hired at Florida. I think he's he's above Eli Drinkowitz. <laughs> so, he's 13th. Is he? Is he? It's like it's 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 a conversation that my, my wife actually brought up to me was like, who is he better than? You can I mean, argue, and, make, granted, yes, granted, I mean. Right. I, Missouri's undefeated. Grant, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> we can count some. I mean, overall, Florida's better than Vanderbilt. I mean, last year was there. We'll get we'll, we'll get the heads up next week. You know, that, that will go a long way in that. I'd say for now, overall, I'm putting him above Clark Lee. Um, they scored, how, how much did they score against Kentucky? Uh, 28. Yep. 28. We even have twenty eight yards in the first quarter. <laughs> so is he so is, is is Napier in the bottom third of coaching in the SEC? Oh yes. Yeah. The for, bottom or the battle for the worst coach will go down next Saturday. Loser used to title. I mean, for right now where it stands and we're going by results, yeah. That doesn't mean he has to stay there. I mean that's what but if we're going to count results. And what we've seen so far, yes, he's in the bottom third. The last and I three think games away from the swamp are 87 to 28. Mm. That's a huge problem. The last win on the and road was a five-win Texas A&M team. 
It was missing like 15 people. And I feel like with Napier being where he's at ranked wise in the coaching in the SEC, with what he's been given at Florida, I think that that makes it worse in my mind. Yeah. You could take the question one step further. Is he the worst offensive coordinator in the SEC? And I think that's a resounding yes. Yes. Because mm. let's put it like this, and, and I don't like to to try to try to match people, but did you guys see the way Auburn looked against Georgia today? Yeah. Like that, that's this yeah, is year one. Know, but I also Ooh, saw also, yeah, also, yeah, also saw the way Auburn looked last week versus Texas A and M in the what two hundred yards. It, it, what I'm saying <laughs> is, is, the same thing we gotta, did. You got to come to play. They just had Georgia. Yeah, you got to come to play. Like at some point, you got to learn to play on the road. Well, I mean, to expand the question even bigger, is the SEC even the best conference this year? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Pac-12's uh, the Pac-12 is, Pac is looking legit. I mean, USC didn't play any defense today, but the, the Pac-12 is looking legit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, USC never does. But, yeah, I mean, I, the Pac-12 has some teams, man. They have Washington. They have Washington State. Heck, uh, I mean, there, is, the goals, there is a possibility behind, here. Really. You know, there is a possibility here. I mean, they could be pretty equal. You know, I know we want to say who's better, but. Yeah, right. We always do. Um, <laughs> I, I, everything I'm just tossing it out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if somebody yeah. you know, made you choose, I mean, if you say the Pac-12, I, I can't fight you on it. I, I still say SEC, but I think there's at least an argument for the Pac-12 actually showing up this year. Yeah, right. It, this way, it's certainly a lot closer than it has been. Agreed. No I'm, doubt about that. I'm very interested in Washington. They're going to the, what, the Big Ten, correct? Yeah, with Oregon. I'm very interested to see how Kalen DeBoer does in the Big Ten because he's won everywhere he's been. At, at Fresno, he's winning at Washington. Arguably, they might be the best team in the country. I'm interested to see how he handles the Big Ten because I think there will be teams, bigger schools, coming, coming to call for him in a couple years, if not at the end of this year. Maybe we can get their OC. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the LSU and Ole Miss game right now, which is a 35-34, that's combined points more than we've scored in the last three games. I think you're trying to make a point here. Georgia looks beatable. Maybe, uh, maybe Kentucky will do it. That is an interesting game next week. Yeah, Georgia looks more beatable in playing a team like Kentucky than they have been in the past. Like, I always question. Where is it at? I, I always question. I think it's in Athens. I, I, I think. Um, <laughs> no shot. But you know, I always ask. You know, yeah, can, I don't think. And, and, look, that, and that kind of goes to my point about Napier too. When we start looking at the future, and I have had this question the whole time, and Kentucky's a good example of that. You know, Kentucky, known for that physical brand of football. Can you beat Georgia in that physical brand of football? I don't think mm -hmm. you can. So that that's been my biggest worry for this offense and, and, and the way it's built is I just don't. Look at the look at the offenses that has beat Georgia recently. Since they got this thing going, it's been your Joe Burrows, it's been your Kyle Trask, it's been your Mac Jones style of offense, your style of quarterbacks that can go and pick a Georgia defense apart. You're not running on them. Teams aren't running on them to beat Georgia. It's you're, it's getting a quarterback that can take advantage of them. So 
that's that that's my biggest attractor of this offense, big picture wise. Now, I think if you wanted to build it and get to a point to where, um, you know, maybe then you can branch out uh, that, that, at some point. But I, that that physical brand of football, and look, maybe since Georgia's falling back to earth, I think a little bit this year. I think Kentucky's a good barometer of you know, I think a, a pretty good rushing attack versus that Georgia defense. But well, when Saban changed his his philosophy of, you know, lining up, playing great defense and running the ball down your throat to on offense, spreading it out and throwing it all over the field, that should have told the country something, in my opinion. You got to be able to throw the football. Yeah, I mean, that is the modern age of, of football, you know, being able to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn had the, the quarterback run today. They yeah. gave Georgia some problems. Yeah, but that but it wasn't sustainable. I mean, at the end, they needed you know, they needed to be able to complete some passes. Yeah, they had to throw I, it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree with the whole fact that the running quarterback for Auburn gave George just a lot of trouble. I, I would I would kept problem. with him a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, it was a real problem, and it wasn't like the score was so one sided that they needed to pass. You know, I I, I think I would have stuck with him a little bit longer. See what he could have done. Yeah, he I definitely mean, was. They did throw it. They, their receivers dropped some some big passes at the end of the game that would have kept them in it. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> All right, guys. I think I will call it here. Thanks for hopping on, doing a little bit different this week. Hopefully, next time we get to do this, it'll be after a Gator victory, and you know we're not uh, so so negative. It's warranted. I'm not saying it's not, um, but oh, I, 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 I would, I would love to do. I would love to do this again when. We have a much better result to talk about. <laughs> but uh, maybe we should have started doing this when we won. Yeah. I wanted to do it with Tennessee, but like I said, that being a night game and not getting back till <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, you know, that would have been really, really right. difficult. Nice, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would have been difficult <laughs> to do. So. I, was, I don't want to start a bad streak. <laughs> but all right. But thanks, Dave. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh, thanks for everybody hopping on, everybody in the YouTube chat. Thanks for uh, also catching this live. Everybody in the Discord, thank you. Thank you so much for hopping on, being part of Gators Breakdown Plus. Guys, if you're not Gators Breakdown Plus members, uh, we do chats like that once a week, maybe twice a week right there. But uh, you guys can join. Link is in the description. Um, this is some of the conversation. I know it wasn't pretty today, uh, but it's not always <laughs> like that. It usually ebbs and flows and goes with the uh, goes with the tide. But uh, hopefully, like I said, next time it'll be a lot more uh, positivity. Uh, to get to, to get going there. So 33-14, Florida over Kentucky. Hey, kind of like a radio show here, I guess. You know, you get your little summary, and then you get to hear from some uh, other people out there. But that's uh, what we do it there on Gators Breakdown Plus. Everybody on, like I said, on YouTube, thanks for hopping on this college football Saturday. Go enjoy some other games and all that good stuff. But I am David Waters, host of Gators Breakdown. You can follow me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC at Gators Breakdown. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>